0: Well, along with Pastor Shane, I welcome you to worship and invite you to open your Bibles, or one of the few Bibles, to Hebrews chapter 12. But today we'll be considering verses one to three. They're very uh, familiar, uh, it's a familiar passage of Scripture with the call for each and every believer to fix your eyes upon Jesus. Now, generally speaking, most of us tend to be inspired by the presence of spectators. By this I mean that the presence of spectators often elevates our concentration and our performance to higher levels. Not that we should slack off when we are alone, but when others are around, we may actually be encouraged to do our best. Now back in the days when I jogged some three miles a day, I'm kind of a modest 5K, Or today, when I alternate jogging and walking or go to the gym to work out, I realize that I really don't want anyone to see me gasping for air or holding my side. I realize that. Perhaps it's a form of pride, but if I sense that someone is watching me, perhaps there's a member of the congregation there in the gym, I tend to straighten up, speed up a tad, correct my posture as if I had been doing so all along. Now, I realize that it's not all pride because I would love to hear one shout out, way to go when I'm about to faint. (laughs) Now, the author of Hebrews begins chapter 12 with the word, therefore, and it reminds us that there are spectators watching us, that as we live our lives in this world, uh, there are Christian people uh, that are now surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses around us. And it draws us back to Hebrews chapter 11, the therefore does. And so we know that from Abel to Noah, from Abraham to Moses, from Rehab to Samuel, we are not alone in the race we call life. All the men and women, the great heroes of Hebrews chapter 11, they are commended for their faith with lives of trust and obedience. And they are witnesses today to motivate us in our current Christian marathon yes their testimonies bear witness to faith that has been commended by God and of course from our passage this morning the greatest motivation that comes to us this day is from the Lord Jesus Christ he is the founder he is the perfecter of our faith and again our verses call us to fix our eyes upon him so would you now please hear God's word this is Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that You would give us grace each moment to draw our life from You, that we would walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, that we would enjoy fellowship with you and with one another as we now give attention to your word we pray that you would open the eyes of our heart to behold the wonders of your love holy spirit please pour light upon these words which you cause to be inspired and write them upon our hearts in christ's name we pray amen you know just to give some context or or some understanding of the, these verses the bible often uses metaphors and similes to help us grasp spiritual truth and the realities of Christian life. For example, in the Gospels, Christ compares our human heart to soil and the Gospel as seed so that we might understand the necessity that our hearts need to be prepared to receive the Word of God as seed and prayerfully to take root and then to bear the fruit of true conversion. That in our hearts, when this seed is properly planted, there is this birth, this generation of repentance of sin and trust of Jesus Christ for salvation. We come to John 10, another famous passage, familiar passage, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And I love when he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. They follow me, and I give them eternal life Christ of course is the good shepherd and we are his sheep the sheep of his pasture praise God and then you recall of course from Ephesians 6 that Paul uses the metaphor of wrestling and a battle to express the spiritual conflict that we face we must put on the full armor of God to stand against the enemy this includes the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so here in Hebrews chapter 12, God gives us encouragement for the race with this biblical encouraged to move forward in faith by comparing our life in Christ as a marathon towards a specific goal. The author of Hebrews brings his argument concerning faith to a great crescendo in enduring faith as he applies it by using this metaphor of the marathon. It simply means that our life in Christ is not a sprint in which the runner bursts out for a few seconds and then collapses at the finish line. No, it's meant to be a disciplined long-distance race, a marathon in which every ounce of energy, every act of training, and every detail engages us until we stand perfect in the presence of the Lord. This morning, these verses challenge us to run the race of faith without being deterred by the pain Knowing that the marathon of life in Christ involves the strain of persistent training and some pain along the way. So in fixing your eyes on Jesus, your faith endures as evidenced by the witness of the heroes of faith in chapter 11. And coming into chapter 12, where in these first three verses we see the verb or the noun endurance, endure or endurance appear three times in these verses it simply means that in this race called life we are called to endure in faith now here's the truth it's a good truth if you are a follower of jesus if you trust him as lord and savior then guess what you are in the race the great cloud of witnesses they are there to cheer you on to to finish the race. All the rest of us are shown to be constantly involved in a marathon we call life, and running this race requires the active exercise of our faith as we focus on Jesus Christ. That is where our writer is taking us, showing us that the Christian life is meant to be lived, it's meant to be run, And that every day with its multiple demands, there's always this call for great endurance in the race itself. And so how do we apply our faith to the race of the Christian life? Well, this is where our verses take us. There are actually three incuratives here set forth in four verses. But if we really want to run the race well, we fix our eyes upon Jesus And we know, first of all, from verse 1, that we are to run with faithfulness. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us run with faithfulness, because we must commit to a life of faithful running. Now, this requires preparation. You realize that? No wise person would ever wake up in the morning and decide to run a marathon later today without thinking it through months and perhaps years ahead of time. That kind of race requires a lot of preparation. So does a spiritual race. If we are to run well, then we must prepare properly. And look what the Word tells us to do. We are to lay aside every weight that clings so closely. Now, anything that would hinder us from running well must be laid aside. Runners will strip away all that is not necessary so that they may run faster and farther. They get lean and light so that they can win their race. And what a lesson that is for us today. Whatever has your attention your time, your resources, your strength. It is a weight in life. So anything that has more of you than Jesus has of you, if you want to run well, you may need to put it in proper perspective and let it go. Now some of these weights are worthy weights. And yet they take time and energy nonetheless. But this is what I mean. Keeping up with the current news and world affairs is good until the ongoing media voice or print brings you down, causes fear, anxiety, or frustration. If you're me sometimes, how in the world are they thinking that? It's not good. It's a weight I need to lay aside. Studying navigation and boat design, they're good things. I enjoy them. However, if my love for the water keeps me from quiet times or listening to my wife or my son, it's not a good thing. I need to let it go. Investing wisely for the future is a good thing unless it consumes your every thought or causes you to want more and more instead of trusting in God's provision. Too much recreation can be another encumbrance in the race. We all need some free time to be renewed, but the question is, how much free time do we really need? Many Christians feel every evening watching TV or playing computer games, and yet they confess they don't have time to study the Bible or read good books. And I'm simply saying that sometimes the good thing of recreation may have to be moderated somewhat for the sake of kingdom growth and your pursuit in the race of life to Him. I remember this from my 20s. The desire for a wife, if you're a woman, for a husband is right, it's normal. Yet if that desire becomes a demand of God and then an idol, we have moved from weight to sin as we demanded of God with frustration that it has not come our way. So we must lay aside every weight, even those things that have good, that cling so closely that they keep us divided from the Lord Jesus Christ. And here, of course, we see that in preparation for the race, we must also lay aside every sin that so easily entangles. You know, in biblical times, people wore long robes. I don't know that they look like the one I have on, but they wore long robes. And the fact is, you can't really run very well in a long robe, for this will entangle your feet. You must either pull it up, tuck it in your belt, or cast it totally aside. In the case of sin, you must totally get rid of it if you want to run the Christian race, knowing that we all fall short each day that we can go to the throne of grace, confess our sin, and ask the Lord for forgiveness. Now, in some ways, I've heard that we need to lay aside besetting sins. And yet, I think it's referring to all sin. For sin seems to always begin in the mind, perhaps caused by our eyes. And so, all of a sudden, if we don't get rid of those things, what we see and think turns into pride or lust, envy, greed, anger, grumbling, selfishness, All these things originate in our hearts. They can find expression, and we are being told here to lay them aside. Allow Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, to not only convict you of the sin, but help you to reprint of your sin as you turn to Him. The point is here, You and I cannot run the Christian race effectively if we keep tripping over our sins. So allow the Lord to expose, to convict, and to allow you to repent and turn to Jesus Christ. And here's what I need to say. With sin, God and God alone will help you to conquer it if you remain, remain sincere and humble and trust him. There is great grace in obedience in following Jesus Christ. So don't let the encumbrances of life and the entanglements of sin cause you to become overly discouraged in your race for Jesus. It will really foul you up. But notice here in this first verse, there's just a couple more dynamics that we are to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Think of this, two things. First, it is God who sets our race. If you're running a marathon, you can't make up your own course. If you're stray from the course, you'll be disqualified. And note in these verses that the race that is set before us just as Jesus had the joy set before him, God is the one that directs our paths. He is sovereign. He is the one who sets the course for each of us, just as He set the course of the cross for His Son. To finish the Christian marathon, it's important to keep in mind at all times that the sovereign God sets the course, and He is good and He is powerful. You may not like parts of the course. You may be prone to grumble. Why did this course have to go over this hill or up this, through this swamp or around this bit of turmoil? But the answer is because the sovereign God planned it this way so that he would cause you to fix your eyes on his son. And secondly here though, the final thing in this first verse is we are called to run With endurance now running with endurance requires adopting a certain mindset I think if you have in mind that you're running a 5k race and you hit the three mile marker you're not going to do too well if you see the whole pack just keep on going you know they just keep going and you're sitting there thinking "Well, I thought we would be finished at the 5k mark when you learn that the race has barely begun you may want to quit with a bad attitude this is what Jesus meant when he talked about counting the cost of following him when we take up our cross and follow him it's a lifetime pursuit in which we are called to endure by faith obviously the key to this is our motivation And here in this first verse, we see the motivation to run the Christian Marathon by that great cloud of witnesses. But then we turn to the most important motivation in verse two, in which we not only know that we run with faithfulness, but we are also to run with focus. We must commit to a life of focus running. Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now the Greeks, I understand, when they were running a foot race, they would hold out a long pole right at the finish line. And the idea here as the runners moved towards the finish line, grimacing with uh, bodily pain, they would fix their eyes on their pole. They would run towards it with everything they had. They would give full concentration to the pole and the finish line, trying to forget the pain of the body because of the strain of running. In 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 our verses... There's really only one factor, one person that can make consistent endurance possible. He is Jesus Christ. He is our final goal of all of our spiritual training and endurance in our Christian lives. We are are to run this life with our eyes fixed firmly upon our master, Jesus. Running the Christian life involves total concentration, total attention, and total occupation with Jesus Christ. It reminds me of, about what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The secret of perseverance of our endurance rest in this wonderful phrase looking unto Jesus now great men of faith can inspire us it's a good thing to study men like Luther and Calvin Whitfield, Wesley Spurgeon Moody others they can help encourage us they can help us to clench our fist and to set our jaws and cause us to want to be men and women of faith and yet Great men inspire us, they can challenge us, but only Jesus Christ can empower us to run this life. Knowing that we can again proclaim with Paul in Philippians 4 that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Family, we must not take our eyes off of Christ and look at the spectators. For as soon as we do, we will begin to break our stride and perhaps stumble and be out of the, right, out of the race. We must rivet our attention on Jesus, not being sidetracked, sidetracked by men or women or things that would compete for our attention. Yes, we love one another. We reach out to one another. But in the race, realize that we are competing only for Jesus Christ, marching towards Him, running towards Him. We hear the encouragement of the crowd in the stands. But we see Jesus waiting for us at the finish line. Literally, these words, fixing our eyes on Jesus, is a- actually gazing into Him. A living person. One who is alive and who reigns, who sits at the right hand of God and throne forever. The writer wants us to see the magnitude of our sin when we come before this throne of grace, not that we fall down in guilt, but that we fall down in in conviction and with confession so that we may be forgiven our sin and renewed to live for God, set free to live for the one who is described here as the founder and perfecter of our faith. Jesus Christ, hallelujah. He lives. He is the pioneer, the captain, the leader, the perfecter, the guarantee of our fate forevermore. Jesus went before us. He lived the Christian life perfectly. He is the only one who perfectly finished the race. Christ laid aside His unbelief and every encumbrance, every tie of family and friends to do the will of the Father. He confessed in John chapter 6, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus Christ finished the race for you and for me. Christ had joy in the midst of great suffering because He knew that after His death He would again be with His Father in the glory of heaven. He finished His race and the goal was to be seated at the Father's right hand. Oh, how important it is to fix our eyes on the One who has won. And when we come to Jesus, know that we also find empowerment, Moment by moment, day by day, week by week, year by year, as we look to him, we shall find strength imparted unto us. He is not out there somewhere. As the apostle has made clear, he is within us by faith, by the power of the Spirit. He has entered into the sanctuary, into the inner person, by faith. Into the very place where we need strength and grace, he's available at all times to help us in our time of need. Now having himself lived by faith, he is able to impart that faith to others. He does this again by means of the Spirit. So Paul is able to reflect in prayer from Ephesians 3. He prays this. I pray that according to the riches of His glory, that He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. And family of God, this is what you need to run the faith, the race of life, this this race, effectively. Faith is essential to spiritual vitality. Jesus is our example, and He is our life. Again, we can cry out with Paul, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. This ministry of help for us is undoubtedly the joy set before Him for which He endured the cross in scorning and shame in obedience to the Father, the joy that many sons would be brought to glory. I'll let you in on a secret Jesus has not only run our race, but He has fixed it so that you and I cannot lose. He has already won the victory, and He shares it with us. He has already fixed the end of the race, and He assures us as His children that we will all arrive safely Home. brothers and sisters in christ you are already a winner in the race of life you have the victory and he asks you to do is to keep your eyes upon him and run your life with the endurance that he alone will give with me we may say this is my race in some ways but know that oh praise god i have already won all that remains is just to finish the course. I want to do, so well. I want to do so, so well that I want to be able to say that at the end of this race, that I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, and by God's grace, I will and you will. So the encouragement for the race is that we fix our eyes upon Jesus, we run with faithfulness, we run with focus, and finally, we run with peace. We are to consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. You know, the marathon of life does not have to be discouraging. Rather, our long-distance run may be full of peace and adventure. Let me share three brief truths from this final verse for all of us first of all when discouragement get begins to seep into our life into your life and into mine at times let us remember what Jesus did for us this is part of considering him to think what he would do for you and for me is evidence of his love for us and his work in our lives May I remind you that when the Lord is on your side, you have nothing at all to fear. For from Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up graciously for us all. How will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Remember to consider Him when the dark days come, when you're running up a hill or into the swamp for a season to finish the race of life. There's also peace in seeing, yes, our reward, but Christ's reward. Remember, consider Jesus. Jesus has run his race. He's paved the way for you and for me. He has already assumed his place at the Father's right hand. Hallelujah. He has sat down there signifying that his work of salvation is finished forever. And when the clouds of discouragement begin to gather on the horizon of your life, then what Jesus enjoys forever is also yours and it is also mine. We must consider that and remember that. His heaven is our heaven. His place of reward is ours too. He promised us that He would make a place for us there and that He would return to take us home someday. And indeed, He will. Oh, family, there's enough sunshine for the cloudiest of days. Hallelujah. Therefore, instead of being discouraged as you run your race, always remember that your race is not in vain. There is peace as we confess that one day He will reward those who have run the race faithfully, the race that He has already set before us and has guaranteed. Even as we run the race, I confess, and you know, there are times when our steps grow weary and our pace slows down. But we simply must continue to remember that we are not home yet. There will come a day when we can unharnish all the burdens from our shoulders and sit at the feast of our Master in glory. There will come a day when He will wipe away the tears of sorrow and the exhaustion of the race from our eyes. And as you fix your eyes on Jesus, consider that He did endure the cross and the hostility of sinners. Consider what He endured for you. Jesus was born in a humble stable. Born to poor parents. His life was threatened as a baby. His birth was a cause of terrible suffering as others feared His reign. He was raised in what the Scripture calls a despicable town, Nazareth. His father died when he was young. He had to support his family. Jesus had no home, no place to lay his head. He was hated and opposed by others. He was charged with insanity and with demon possession. He was opposed by his family. He was rejected, hated, and opposed by the audiences who came to hear him speak. Jesus was betrayed by a close friend. He was left alone, rejected and forsaken by all of his friends. He was tried before a high court of the land and tried with treason. He was executed as a common criminal by means of the crucifixion. And there he bore the wrath of God Almighty against you and me. Jesus died for our sins and was raised to life for our salvation. Why do we consider Christ and embrace Him as the author and perfecter of our faith? Why? Because by trusting in Him through faith, He will set us free from ourselves, from our sin, and enable us to run after Him. If you're tired in the race, welcome to the marathon. The encouragement here is to fix your eyes on Jesus. Maybe you need to cast off some encumbrances or entangling sins. Maybe you ought to know that gold, and I think this is true, I looked it up a few times, that gold is just as heavy a weight as lead. So if you're trying to carry the world's tra- treasures upon your shoulders while you run the race of faith, you're going to get really tired. Throw whatever hinders you in your growth and godliness to the side. Perhaps you're grumbling about the course that God has set for you. You may need to submit to a sovereign hand that's guiding your path. He sets different courses for his children according to his good purpose and our ultimate good. Perhaps you need to refocus on Jesus and the joy of receiving the crown of righteousness that he has promised to all who finished the course. Now know here, and this is probably not a large group in this room, but you can't run the race if you've never entered into it by trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So if you do not know the person of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, please respond to his call to come to him. Talk to me or any of us. Pastor Shane, we would love to introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ and encourage you to enter into the great marathon that will go on until we see him face to face oh family of God please don't let the weight of this light life and the weight of sin disqualify you let Jesus Christ refocus your priorities lighten your load (laughs) and equip you to run your race for His glory. Amen. In the last two weeks, I've been humming a hymn. The refrain is in your bulletin. So I would love for us to simply sing the refrain together to encourage one another in our race. Let me just sing the first phrase to make sure I'm on key and then I'll start it over and y'all can join me. Okay, let's see if we can do this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory one more time. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for the beauty of the Gospel of grace, and we pray that we would continue to attempt to comprehend the height and breadth and the depth of Your love for us in Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, bless Your Word to our hearts. Enable us to live the life by faith that through the grace of the Holy Spirit, You would help us to fix our eyes upon Jesus, to run faithfully and fervently. We pray in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.